Over the Wall podcast coming at you. We got big news coming down from college football. LSU and Alabama will be postponed this weekend, along with several other games in the SEC and along with college football. College football is just a chaotic mess right now. Doesn't even resemble the same sport that we're used to. So we'll hit a big topic on just everything surrounding college football and kind of my thoughts on the sport at large. I previously recorded a segment on the LSU-Alabama game that we'll touch on, kind of what I see from LSU moving forward, not just like the game against Alabama, because that was going to be a blowout, but just what the move should be made with the LSU football program moving forward and kind of what's your best case scenario for LSU in the years to come. Then we'll hit on the Saints. Saints had a huge victory against Tampa Bay. One of the bigger wins we've seen in a long time. Lots of momentum brewing for this Saints football team. So we'll touch on the Saints' big win. So let's get it. Here we go. LSU-Alabama week. It's something LSU fans, and I'm sure Alabama fans, too, you know, get very excited for year in and year out. And you always mark it on the calendar and on the schedule. But this year, obviously, a little different. LSU is a 24-point dog at home. Now, at home, you know, does that really matter this year? I'm not too sure. But either way, 24-point underdog. We hadn't seen this in a long time. Look, LSU is going to lose this game just by how much. That is what's going to happen. <laughs> LSU's defense is still horrendous, and I don't expect them to figure it out against Alabama. Now, you're going to have the people who are, you know, the sunshine pumpers who are going to say, well, you know, maybe they might sleepwalk through this game. LSU's not that good this year. Bama's number one in the country. No, not happening. Not their last year, the rivalry between the two. And you know for a fact, and this is what I thought about last year, and look, LSU won the game last year, and it was emotional for fans, for the program, for the coaches. No doubt about it. They owned you. You won that game, and you went on to win the national championship. But in the back of my mind, I was always worried, you know, even that year before Tua got hurt that they would meet again, and then, you know, Bama would have that in their back pocket, the way LSU celebrated, you know, even the video in the locker room. And that's not Coach O's fault. That's, you know, I, it was one of the players that took a video from the phone, and yeah, I think he posted on his social media page, basically Coach Joe saying, you know, Alabama, fuck you. And you know Saban and, you know, the coaching staff are going to have that on repeat all week. And just everything that took place last year, you know, it was it was an emotional game for LSU. But they are going to use that as fuel. So if you think Bama's going to roll in there and just be, you know, cool, complacent, that's not going to happen. They are going to crush LSU. Now, does LSU have the horses to compete? Yeah, to a certain extent. You know, your hope for LSU is that going into the second half, it's maybe a 10 to 14 point game. Maybe you can have some type of belief that you'll win this game, but you are not going to win this game because your defense is terrible and they have one of the best offenses in the country. Maybe not might not be as potent without Jalen Waddle now out for the year, but they're still going to rack up points and yards on you. Now, offensively is going to be you know, the interesting part, because I thought all season long LSU, you know, had some good offensive outputs. Obviously, last time out at Auburn was terrible. TJ Finley looked bad. Kind of expected with a, a true freshman quarterback. But I want to start hitting on like a, a bigger issue, because like like I said, if you, if you listen to me, I'm not going to sit here and break down, you know, the offensive line play against the Alabama defensive line. It's just not what I do. I like to go big picture. You know, in, in, I like to put myself in, uh, uh, I guess you would say, at the professional level, like a GM role or, you know, the collegiate level, you know, an AD role or just the role of Coach O. And here's what I would do. 
I would go in that locker room, you know, in the meeting room and just say, guys, whoever wants out, it's cool. You can go. Raise your hand, walk out the door and leave. Because after the performance we saw against Auburn, it was obvious that there's some guys out there that have checked out. Look, LSU's two and three. They're not very good. And this is coming from a team that was the greatest football team in college football history. I have no doubt about that. They were amazing. It's time to clean house and it's time to move forward. This is not the same team. And clearly LSU is not a program yet that can continue to build upon things like that, like a Clemson or a Bama or hell, even Ohio State, where they could just win 11, 12 games a year in and year out. LSU has to get off an emotional high. And therefore, I think they need to kind of, you know, clean the slate a little bit. And I'm not saying get rid of like you know, Derek Stingley. I mean, obviously he has another year left and guys like that. But some of the older guys could be there last year. If you want to go, if you, you know, if you don't want to get hurt or if you plan not to get hurt, you know, that's fine. Walk out the door. It is time for a rebuilding process. And here's where I'm a big believer in reality. You have to be realistic with yourself. If you're an LSU fan or even if you're an LSU, you know, coach, like I said, or part of the administration, LSU is bad. Mississippi State is a joke team. They embarrassed you and put up historic numbers on you. Mississippi State is terrible. Missouri is not a good football team. They beat you. What you did at Auburn was embarrassing. With the players you have and the talent you recruit, that should never happen. So just as I've always been saying, LSU should not be this bad after a team that just won a national championship. Should not. I'll say that to say this. LSU can't go from being this bad to winning a national championship. LSU is in a rebuilding process. And I personally believe it's going to take them you know, two years to rebuild this thing. So you're probably asking, well, well, what do you do? You're saying that. So what's the next step? Okay. Like I said, you clean slate a little bit. If you want to leave, you leave, right? Terrace Marshalls and, you know, some of the other guys out there that you know we're heading to the draft. Okay, fine. You don't want to get hurt. You know, it's time to clean sleep. Let's wash out the 2019 team and let's bring in a new and understand that this is a rebuilding process. In the offseason, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't come out and say it to the public, but I would say, look, you know, give subtle hints like this is a rebuilding process. We're building for the future. We're going to be young. We're still going to compete. You know, throw some stuff out there like that because it's just the reality. And also, look, Miles Brennan, you know, I'm sorry, bud, but you've had four years to win the job. And I know there's been some bad breaks. I know year one, you know, as a true freshman, it's tough to win that job. So he doesn't win it. Danny Edling does. But then he goes in the next two years. Um, I don't even think he was in the race for Burrow, um, at least to compete for that job in 18. I think it was Burrow and McMillan. And then, you know, obviously Burrow's historic year. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat that out. Look, it just is what it is. Sometimes at the quarterback position, it's just tough luck and tough breaks. But that's why they have a transfer portal. And that's why I don't really crap on dudes who transfer because you only have one shot to play. And I think there there's some talent there with Brennan. So for me, I, I just – I'd pull the plug on it. I'd say, man, really appreciate, you know, what you've done for the program. And, and he's trying to fight through injuries, but it's just he can't play right now. He has a, a you know – I wouldn't say it's a sports hernia, but it's a um, like a muscle tear in the abdomen. And he's just trying to practice, but he can't. I'd say, I'm sorry, man. Like, you know, probably should look at other options and, you know, hit the road. And then what you do through it, because I want you to understand this. For me, as a coach, I would look at this as like spring football. First off, what, what is there, like 15,000 people in the stands? This year is a joke. 
it's a joke. You got guys like Trevor Lawrence who, I mean, is he sick? He can't play. Clemson lost to Notre Dame. So does Notre Dame get in the college ball playoff because they're best, one of the best players we've seen in recent memory can't play because, I don't know, maybe is he sick? Maybe is he not? He's on the sideline. He's got a mask on. He traveled with a team. We don't know. But what a joke. The season is just weird. So, your coach O, your staff, it's a spring ball. Just just take it as that. I don't I think you've built up, like I said, you've built up cachet with your fan base. You just won a national championship. People aren't gonna be like, oh, fire Coach O. No, Coach O is a guy people believe in still. Take it as spring. Try new things. This Saturday, hell, start Max Johnson. And then the next weekend, start TJ Finley. Let them battle it out. Because that's another thing you have to decide as well. Because now you have Garrett Nussmeyer coming in, who's another really, really good quarterback. You have to start deciding who's your guy here, Finley or Johnson. You got to make it clear. Because for me, I don't think you can have three quarterbacks dueling it out, you know, next fall. I think you got to start figuring out who's the guy right here. Put them in, you know, tough situations, which you're going to see tough situations. Truth be told, I think LSU might win one game, and that could be against Ole Miss, but maybe even not. I think LSU is a bad football team. Let's go. Play some young guys. Try some things out. Work for the future. This is a rebuilding process. So the way I see it is you might, you're probably going to win maybe one game the rest of the way. Hell, you never know. They might win two. You know? But Arkansas looks pretty good, and Ole Miss, you know, say what you will about them. They're going to put some points up against you. They don't. It doesn't matter who they play, and you're the worst defense in college football, so they will put points up against you. Just can you outscore them? I don't know. So build for the future. Figure out your quarterback. And the way I see it playing out is this. In 2021, next year, you know, I'm assuming you'll have some more fans in the stands. It'll be a different atmosphere. You know, I expect it to – at least what I would say is you're hoping that it's a 2017 to 2019 trend where in 2017 they had some pitfalls. Obviously not this bad, but then in 18 you bounce back, you go 9-3 and three with some tough losses. You would hope, you know, for that. Bama's losing a lot like next year. And in the future, I don't know how much longer Saban's going to coach. Now, it looks like Texas A&M is on the rise just a little bit. But even then, I still think it's a tad bit overrated. So in next season, you're hoping you can build upon this. You know, if you play a 12-game schedule, you can, you know, cross your fingers. You win eight to nine. It's a damn good year next year. If you can win eight, if you go eight and four, nine and three, damn good year. Don't start having these high expectations that LSU is going to win national championships. It's unrealistic. It's very tough. Joe Burrow was a deodorant to a certain extent for guys like Coach O. Because I think Coach O is a, a, a good coach. He's a good coach, okay? But he's not a, a top five level coach. I think he's a good coach when everything is going right for him, okay? If everything is going right for Coach O, he's the man you won the foxhole. When things are going bad, I have my questions. I have my doubts. I don't think he's a good, you know, does a good job of hiring coaches. Let's look at this offseason. If I told you last year, give me two names, two names that pop pop up besides Coach O right away from that LSU football team, what would you say? You'd say Burrow, and then you'd say who? Joe Brady. What, what, was, what was Joe Brady? Joe Brady was a young 30, 31-year-old offensive mind, you know, up-and-coming guy, vibrant, related to players. You know, that's that was kind of trendy. And so what did he do in the offseason? He went with old Bo Pelini going in his second stand at LSU, not super relatable, always a screamer or yeller, 
and you know he went with Scott Linehan, older guy, you know NFL guy. Sure, he's had some pedigree, but he went with two older coaches. I don't know. I kind of I kind of scratch my head with that. You just had extreme success with Joe Brady, who I just said all the, the intangibles he brought to the table, super relatable. Um, you know, young, innovative mind. I think you should have went in that direction. You know, say what you will about Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda was a younger guy, innovative mind, more cerebral coach. And I think that was more along the lines of what you should have did. I think you went the exact opposite. I think you went just a, and I hate to call, you know, a college football coach making $2.5 million a meathead because he's not. I mean, he's, he's a smart guy, but more, more along the lines of that type of coach. And so I thought that was, that was two bad decisions. And I think point blank, you're going to have to cut ties with Pelini. And now this is going to be what we see from Coach O. Does, does he have it in him? to make this move because this was his guy. I do not believe in, in 2017, Matt Canada was his guy. I feel like he was pressured to make this big hire when Lane Kiffin took the FAU job. Remember, Lane Kiffin was his guy in the binder that he you know, created to win the job or you know, get the job at LSU. It was get the best offensive coordinator in the country. And that at the time was Lane Kiffin. That was his boy. They were best friends. And it didn't work out because Nick Saban essentially blocked it and got him the job at FAU. And so he went for the next hottest name, which was Matt Canada. And so, you know, bad hire there. That wasn't his guy. And he cut bait. This Pelini was his guy. And so does he have it in him to cut ties? We're going to see this this offseason. He has to. It's terrible. It doesn't work out. LSU defense is in shambles. And there's a program there in shambles. You have to cut ties. And you have to make that move. So ultimately, my take is this. From a realistic standpoint, which is what I believe in, Rebuilding year. This is spring football from here on out. After, I guess you could say after this game, but going is you're not you're not beating Alabama. You're not even going to sniff them. This is spring football now. I would work on things. I would cut ties with guys who are kind of half-assed, who are looking to the draft, who don't want to get hurt. That's fine, guys. You know, I'm not going to hold any grudge against you. Hit the door. You're out. That's fine. And then you know, decide your quarterback. I hate to say it, but to a certain extent. Miles Brennan, you kind of cut ties with him. He'll hit the transfer portal. Decide who's your guy between Finley and Johnson going forward. You can use the rest of the season. You could use spring. And then you decide and you let them battle it out with Garrett Nussmeyer in the fall. And then from you know an optimistic standpoint, you hope to build upon next year. You still have a, a young and talented team. You have a really good recruiting class. You're recruiting at an extreme high level. And you hope to win maybe eight, nine games this year. You go eight and four next year. I like that. I'm good with that. And you compete. So that would be my optimistic outlook and my holistic standpoint, you know, at LSU football right now. Here we go. LSU, Alabama officially postponed and could very well be canceled. Let's explain this whole situation out. So. When the SEC made the schedule, they did a really good job of, you know, seeing things to come, kind of predicting the future, so to speak, and then knowing postponements were, were going to happen. It was inevitable. And they put in place a December 12th date right before the SEC championship weekend for these games that were postponed. Now, the only problem is LSU and Florida have already had a postponement. They're now scheduled for December 12th. So where does Alabama fit in? Where do you play that football game? There's been talks about, you know, rearranging games with like Arkansas and Ole Miss to where you could play them on the 19th of the SEC championship weekend and then play Bama on that scheduled game against an Ole Miss or an Arkansas. 
because those teams will be vying for you know the SEC title. But Greg Sankey seems pretty steadfast in the trajectory of the schedule, at least so far. There's really not too much budging going on. So I don't know if we're going to see this game. Now, let's get into the standpoint of just the game itself and you know the talk around the LSU football program. Obviously, LSU is having an abysmal season. Very bad. LSU is a 28-point underdog at home against Alabama. A four-touchdown underdog. We have never seen that before. And around the program, you know, around the Baton Rouge area, the Louisiana area, we've, there's been polls out there that's asked fans, you know, how do you feel about this game not being played? And, you know, a lot of the polls came back saying LSU fans, you know, really don't care. It doesn't bother them. They're fine with the game not being played. And I've heard local people in the media kind of bash the LSU fan base saying that you shouldn't be timid to play this game or scared or anything of that nature, you know. But the fans have no outcome in a singular game. That's what that that's what cracks me up. The fans have zero outcome in, you know, the outcome of that game. Whether LSU wins or loses, they don't. They're not lining up against the Alabama offensive line. Okay. If the 18 to 22 year old football players in the LSU football team have that mentality, okay, then we have a problem. And they probably do have that mentality the way the season has gone. But the fans play no outcome of a singular game. But you're gonna say, Paul, but you've said a fan base has an outcome, you know, for programs. It can make a difference. Yes, years down the line, from a holistic standpoint, how much is your fan base invested into the success of that football program? Yes, it, it does mean a lot moving forward in the big picture, but it's not going to you know, determine an outcome of a game if the LSU fan base doesn't want to see, see their team get dump trucked by, you know, 30 points at home against your biggest rival, you know? That you beat your chest, that you beat them, you know, for the past eleven to twelve months. People don't want to. People don't want to see that. There's too many options these days to watch a bad product. LSU right now is a bad product. Now, if LSU were playing UL Lafayette, or they were playing any other Sun Belt team, or Vanderbilt, you know, or a lower level SEC team, yeah, it'd be a good product because LSU can compete and they'd probably win that football game. But right now, LSU is not a good football team. And they're going to be double-digit underdogs to good football teams. So there's other options out there. This is 2020. This is not the 1980s where I have to sit on my TV, watch LSU play a, a, a group of nobodies and beat them by 50 because what else is there to do? There's a lot of options these days. You know, there's a lot of streaming options on, on television. There is a lot of options just on your phone through the apps that you have. You know, hell, I can go, you know, do something with my family on a Saturday night and not watch LSU get smoked by 40 points. OK, the world has changed. And if you don't deliver me a good product, I'm not going to continue to go back. That's in every walk of life, in every business. You have to have a good product to put out on that field. And if you don't, then, then why am I excited to go see it? You know, in previous years, you could have said, well, you know, you could go and enjoy the festivities, right? Um, the tailgating, right? There's no tailgating. Or, you know, well, I'll, I'll you know, buy a ticket and uh, go watch the first half. At least it'll be competitive in the first half and we'll get to have the juices flowing. You know, the fans are screaming, the bands out there. There's none of that. None of that's going on. So I can understand how a fan base just isn't excited and it's just like, you know what? We just don't care. I don't want to hear Bama fans talk about how they beat us by 50 this year. Well, they don't even play. So, you know, that's a plus for an LSU fan. Once again, they don't determine the outcome of the game. So take take the pride down. 
take the tough guy mentality down, it doesn't matter if the fans don't want to see this game being played. Now, once again, from a holistic standpoint of college football, this is, this is going to be my big topic. This season is unprecedented, obviously. It's a global pandemic. And we all wanted to see football being played, especially college football. We love college football in the South. At this point, we're in November. This isn't even remotely the same product we're used to. It's not. And I'll compare it to the NFL. The NFL, for me, I've been watching football since I was seven, eight years old. The NFL, to me, looks pretty much the same. And I'm going to explain to you why. The NFL is a, is a group of adults. They're professionals. They're getting paid. And what's great about the NFL is that there aren't guaranteed contracts. So guys are out there every Sunday playing for their jobs and for respect. Their resume is what they put on film every Sunday. So, yeah, you could say, you know, I'm upset that there's no fans and I don't have the motivation. Well, that's fine. The team will just cut you and they'll move on. They'll find the next guy. So professional football is just different. These guys are pros. They're out there. The game doesn't look any different. In my opinion, some aspects, you know, obviously I want to see the crowd noise. I want to see fans in the stands. It adds to the game. It really does. But, you know, from an offensive standpoint, when you're not, when you're opposing team, not dealing with crowds, you're getting more, you know, offensive output. And it's actually a better product for me because I like to see offense, like see the ball moving. So in that respect, it's better in some, in some aspects. But in college football, it's completely different. I mean, these guys aren't getting paid. You know, most of these guys aren't going to make it to the NFL. It's just the reality. Why do you go to LSU? You go to LSU, obviously, for the success of the program. And for most people, it's a factor to get you to the next level. But you're going there, you know, because the fanfare. That's a big part. 100,000-seat stadium. You know, the pageantry, the band, the notoriety, the tailgating, the festivities, everything. All right? That is why you play college football. You're not getting paid, right? When you hit this time in November, even if you're a three-loss team, let's say like an LSU, people are still going to show up. You're still going to get big crowds. At this time right now, where LSU's at, not very good. Out of any type of championship talk, there are no crowds there. There's no juice going on. And not only that, you're now asking you know, 18, 22-year-old guys in college, best time of their lives, avoid people, avoid parties, avoid your friends, you know, all this stuff, all these restrictions being you know placed upon you. I could see why LSU is starting to kind of like, you know, unfold. And I could see why when they're at Auburn, it's, you know, they, they just tap out. There's no fans, there's no juice, you know, Three days a week, you're having Q-tips shoved up your brain to check for COVID. All these restrictions being placed upon these guys, it's I think it's going to start to wear on them. And you're going to see weird outcomes. Why is Penn State 0-3? Penn State's not a bad football team. Sure, they've had opt-outs, but that's how, they're a very well-coached team. James Franklin's a good coach. Why is Michigan so bad? Why does LSU suck so bad? I think you can blame some of that on this COVID-stricken season. And But you could say, well, what about Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, these teams? Well, the cream always rises to the top. And Alabama, for instance, this is perfect for Alabama and where they're at. Nick Saban is known as an egomaniacal control freak, which has worked for him, right? And it's going to work specifically in this year where you are controlling every aspect of these kids' lives to make sure that they are not going to parties or doing anything out of the restrictions or the protocols being placed upon them. 
That's why I think they're going to win the national championship because I don't think they're going to have any hiccups. I don't think you're going to see too many Alabama players and notable players that test positive and can't sit out. Hell, Nick Saban tested positive, then tested negative five times. You know, that's why a team like Alabama will rise. They're detail-oriented, period. And that's why I think they'll eventually win the national championship. But then you're going to see, like I said, these teams that are not, you know, they're not top five teams this year, like in LSU, Penn State, Michigan. But they're going to be, you know, caught in the middle where it's like, guys, what's their motivation at this point, right? Do they even have bowl games to go to? And especially with LSU, when you're coming off a season in 2019 where you were the greatest team in college football history, and now you are what you are, you're going to see guys who are part of that lose motivation with everything going on. It's just not the same. There are no fans. It's just the pageantry is not there. The bands aren't there. College game day, there's no fans. And it's it's a shot in the dark. You have teams playing six games. You have teams playing seven games. You have teams playing ten games. LSU might play eight or nine games. It is a crapshoot, and this is just not the same sport. I'm sorry. And I enjoy watching it, sure. I'll flick it on on Saturday and watch a game. But this is, is not the same thing. Everything that's great about the sport isn't there. NFL, the players are what's great. The fans, that's great. That that helps. But you're you're watching for star power and brand power and you know your fantasy team. And you know, we bet on the NFL. And it's that's all still there. And those guys are professionals. College football is dramatically different and it's not even close. And you, you kind of just hope in 2021 we can kind of get back to a sense of normalcy. And then, you know, I've also heard the argument of the, you know, the college football playoff, which is another thing that just completely irritates me. And I'm, I'm hearing it a lot. And I guess people want to talk about it because they have to talk about something. But I hear, well, Ohio State can't get in because they played six games or, you know, whoever wins the Pac-12, if they only play six or seven games, they can't get in. Oh, OK, great. So Ohio State can go six and oh, Justin Fields, one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in recent memory. But we're going to keep him out and put like Arkansas in because they play 10 games. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a dynamite move right there. Once again, those are stupid arguments. I don't give a shit if Ohio State plays three games. Put them in. See the best teams play. If USC goes 5-0, and 6-0, just put them in. What does it matter? This season is a joke anyways. The cream will rise to the top. Bama, Clemson, you know, Ohio State, those are the best teams in the country. It's very clear cut. They're going to get in and put your fourth team in wherever you think, you know, fits best. But stop arguing that, you know, they need to play a certain amount of games. Guys, this season's a joke. And if you think LSU won't have any more hiccups or any of these other teams are going to have hiccups as far as postponements because of, you know, contact tracing and, and you know, somebody tested positive, you're, you're lying to yourself. It's going to happen. They are going to have, you know, games postponed and canceled. This season's a joke. And I get it. You had to play. Yeah, because of, you know, financial issues. But it's not the same product. And it's disappointing, but you, you get what you get. You know, it's nobody's fault. But like I said, you almost just have to, you know, cross your fingers that, you know, 2021 things can change and we can get back to a sense of normalcy and get back to the college football that we love. So Saints get a huge win Sunday night in a game that I didn't think it would go that way. I actually predicted that Tampa would win this game. Close game, but I thought Tampa was the better team. And this is just crazy. This is really what's great about the NFL. You know, in college football, it's really few and far between, right? 
last year, I think LSU played one, maybe two games. You were like, yeah, this could get, this could be close, right? They played Bama. You were like, all right, it's going to be a nail-biter going into it. Played Clemson in the national championship. Could be a nail-biter. But for the most part, you know, if Bama's playing anybody or Clemson's playing anybody in college football, you know that they're better, and that, that's, that outcome is going to go the way you believe it's going to be. But that's what's great about the NFL. You just don't know. Everybody who has watched the sport this year thought that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the way they were trending were just a better football team than the New Orleans Saints. I thought it. Everybody thought it. Everybody picked Tampa Bay to win that game. And we were all wrong. All right. And what did it come down to? It came to several factors. Coaching. Sean Payton showed you how good of a coach he is compared to a Bruce Arians. I like Bruce Arians. I think he's a good coach. But he showed you it was such a coaching mismatch. And these are two games that the Saints clearly beat Tampa Bay and it wasn't close. He's a better football coach than Bruce Arians. He was phenomenal Sunday night. Phenomenal. Outcoached him, made him look terrible, made him look like a junior high football coach. Secondly, and this is something that, you know, was hadn't shown up all year, and it finally showed up, and I think it's going to show up moving forward. And it's something that goes hand in hand. And it's let, let's talk defense overall. You know, we've heard the Saints, you know, defensively, you know, aren't the same team. Marshawn Lattimore, is he, is he the same guy? You know, they just haven't been playing well. Well, the Saints finally got a pass rush. Davenport, Jordan, Hendrickson, they got after him, Anyamata. And that makes a difference, and it goes hand-in-hand with coverage, with your defensive backs. When you can put pressure on a quarterback, that that forces him to make a quicker decision and get rid of the football. But when you don't put pressure on a quarterback, okay, NFL receivers have all day you know, to get on, to get in their routes and, and just get open. They're going to get open if you give them the time. And the same thing goes with defensive backs. If you can do a good job of covering, that's going to make your pass rush better because it gives you, if the pass rush, more time to get to the quarterback. And you saw that go hand in hand. The Saints have a very talented defense and it showed up. They dominated that football game. But the pass rush was amazing, especially when you have a, an older Tom Brady, 43 years old, and you force him off his spot, you know, he was not the same player. He's not a mobile guy. They were phenomenal. Hendrickson was really good. Cam Jordan, Davenport, when they step up and they can rush the passer, they are deadly. They are. The Saints, I felt like, had the ball in Tampa territory pretty much the first three quarters. I mean, the Saints basically called the dogs off. It was phenomenal. And then offensively, the big thing that pops out to me is Drew Brees played well. But Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders back was huge, huge. And I thought it was just so smart by Sean Payton and the the Saints organization throughout the past couple weeks. You know, when they played Chicago, Thomas didn't play. Sanders didn't play, whether it was COVID or not. But it was smart. It's like, look, we're playing – we're not just playing to win a singular game here. Drew is on his last leg, and we're playing to win a Super Bowl. We've come close year – the past three years – we're going all in. And I thought that was an amazing move because all you've heard about is what's going on with Michael Thomas. Why is he not playing? What, and maybe there is something going on in the locker room. Hell, I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. What, what do I know? But if I had to read into it, that's just smart. Thomas probably had a, a high ankle sprain. You know, let him heal. Let him rest. There's no need, reason for him to get hurt. Hell, when they play Atlanta or Carolina and you feel like you can get by without Thomas, sit him. You know, I need him for the playoffs. I need him for the stretch run. So 
I thought it was a great move. And you saw how, how much more dynamic the offense could be with those guys in it, right? Michael Thomas, one of the best receivers with Drew Brees and, and the type of offense they run in the NFL. And so I think the Saints, my prediction was they'd lose. But I said they were going to go on a run, right? They were going to get hot and they were going to start, you know, clicking on all cylinders. And they will. When you look at their schedule, there's only one more football game that they will be dogs in. And that would be a home game against Kansas City December 20th. That's it. Every other game, they will be favored to win. They have a tough one. They go to Philadelphia late in the year. going to be cold weather. But still, they'll be favored to win that football game. Okay, The Saints are going to get hot right here. They will. Now, could they lose a game to a team you're not expecting? Maybe to Carolina or an Atlanta? Sure, it could happen. They're going to win this division. And I think they're going to be a two or a three. I said it at the time, about well, I don't know how long ago. It was like three, four, five weeks ago when they lost to Green Bay. That hurt. And it hurt because that was going to affect you in the playoff season. Green Bay right now, just because the head-to-head matchup they beat you, is going to get that tiebreaker and probably get that one seed. You would love to have the one seed. You don't want to travel to cold weather Green Bay, especially with Drew Brees at this age. But I like the Saints better than, than Green Bay right now. They're trending in a better direction. Sean Payton is a better coach than LaFleur, than Arians, and then some of these guys. I, I like them better than Seattle right now. If you told me who's going to the Super Bowl out of the NFC, I'd say the Saints. And that's just that's not me being a homer. That's me being realistic. Saints have a damn good roster. I said it before the year. And now it's coming to fruition. Now the guys get healthy. They're going to start clicking. Peyton is a great coach. And they are all in right now. All in. It's Super Bowl or bust. And whatever you got to do, if Thomas has to sit out a game, if Sanders has to sit out a game, you do it. You keep him healthy. You keep Kamara healthy. That is important because he has been phenomenal this year. Phenomenal. Watch out for a guy like Adam Troutman. He is going to be somebody who can be effective down the stretch. You're already starting to see it. I think they're doing a great job with Taysom Hill and put him in, in packages to be successful. He's throwing the ball now in some of these packages. Perfect. You need him to play. You need him to be dynamic, and he is. Look, Saints, that was a huge win. One of the biggest wins we've seen as far as, you know, mid-year, you know, kind of a boost of a win. That was huge. One of the bigger wins I've seen, like I said. So moving forward, love the Saints, love their momentum, love Sean Payton, love the team. I've said before, they're going to find a way for Drew Brees to be successful, even with a limited, you know, arm strength right now at his age. They're going to find a way to be successful. And I really like the Saints coming out of the NFC.